1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I am taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. If you're watching online, be sure and click share. Amen. I know we have people watching online from all over. Now, if you're 10 minutes away, you need to be here in person. If you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, the book of Acts chapter 2, and we'll be in some other places this morning. In Acts chapter 19, which was 20 plus years after Pentecost, Paul arrived at the church in Ephesus, and he asked the disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And that's sad. But sadly, that is true of too many believers today. They have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, last Sunday, the message was on the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He is our counselor. He is our helper. He is the spirit of truth, and he leads us. He guides us. He directs us into all truth and all understanding. And what truth? The truth of God's word, not nonsense, not the latest fads. And I can't deal with that again today, so you have to watch or listen to last week. He is the spirit of truth. And as I said last Sunday, the Holy Spirit, he is a person. And he is the person of the Trinity that is here and that is here with us. And he wants to be, he wants to be a part of your life. Today's message is power to witness. Power to witness. What is the purpose of God's power? What is the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the divine power that comes with it? In Luke 3 and verse 16, Luke 3 and verse 16, John said, says, John answered them all. And that's John the Baptist. He answered them all and said, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs or straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He, speaking of Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit ought to be a part of our Christian life and our walk with the Lord. Because you go back to Luke 3.16, John tells us that part of the ministry of Jesus is that he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples in Luke 24, verse 49, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. And as we saw last Sunday, the promise was the Holy Spirit. But stay or wait in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Power from on high. And power is the divine ability of God to do what you would not otherwise be able to do. 
In Acts chapter 1, Luke tells us, Acts 1 beginning in verse 4, on one occasion while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then skip down to verse 8, but you will receive power, divine ability. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The problem with Christianity that does not have the Holy Spirit is it is Christianity that lacks the power of God. Christianity, without the Holy Spirit, has no power. And that's why Paul prayed that his message would not be with wise and persuasive words like any Greek or Roman rhetorician, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So number one, and this is the only point, so you won't get lost or behind taking notes today. This is it. Number one, the purpose of God's power is power to witness. And as we'll see today, if we're not witnessing, if we're not witnesses, we have no need of his power. God is going to fill vessels that are witnesses for him. What is the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the divine power that comes with it? The purpose of God's power is power to witness. As we saw, Luke 24, 49, Jesus told them they would be clothed with power from on high. And then in Acts 1 and verse 8, Luke tells us that Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. But you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. But you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Any form of the charismatic world that emphasizes the power without the witness is misguided. The purpose of the power is power to witness. And if we're not witnesses, if we're not witnessing, we have no need of the power. In the book of Acts, in the Gospels, all throughout the New Testament, we see that the purpose of God's power is power to witness. And the purpose of signs and wonders and miracles is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Many, many years ago, when Dr. Teal Osborne was still with us, he had been invited to speak at a ministry in East Texas in Lindell. And he asked Pastor and I to pick him up at the airport that day to drive him out there to spend some time with him. And this was a ministry that uh, gave young people the opportunity to do missions trips, evangelism trips, perhaps a place for young people that felt called to the ministry. And so we took him out there. He spoke to the young people. But afterwards, he spoke to the man in charge of that ministry and to his senior staff. And I saw Dr. Teal Osborne get angry on a few occasions, but the angriest I ever saw him was on that day. Because these young men sat at this table, they did not want to listen, no one had notepads out, this was before iPads, no one had notepads out to take notes just to listen, and, and young people, that's what we should do, we should listen. Amen. You'll pull further ahead in life if you just be quiet and listen. Amen. And so that they had no interest in listening, what they were trying to get him to talk about was his biggest demon stories and his stories about the greatest supernatural things he saw. And of course, he rehearsed some of those things to me, but I, I'm not going to talk about them publicly because again, the purpose of the power of God and the purpose of signs, wonders, and miracles is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The purpose isn't the signs themselves or the power itself or the miracles themselves. And so they were, they were trying to get this information out of him. He wasn't having it. And then they proceeded to tell their own stories. 
It was incredibly disrespectful. So because of that, when we got back in the car and headed back to the Metroplex, Dr. Osborne was frustrated. And in his frustration, he began to talk about some of the things going on in those days and those years in the American church that bothered him, that grieved him, that disturbed him. The purpose of God's power is not so that we can get together and have a good time by ourselves while the world goes to hell, or as Paul warned about in 1 Corinthians, to behave in such a way that unbelievers think we're out of our minds. Once Dr. Fred Price told my father that we, we have to conduct ourselves in such a way that an unsaved businessman could walk in, hear the word of God, and give his life to the Lord. The purpose of God's power is not so that we can get together and have a bless me club with experiences and a good time. The purpose of God's power, hear me, the purpose of God's power is not so that we can live any way we want, not be doers of the word of God, and then have a minister lay hands upon us to fix our disobedience. That's not the purpose of the power of God. And those attitudes and those trends grieved Dr. T.L. Osborne. In a minister's meeting, Kenneth Hagin once shared how in Pentecostal circles, they had all kinds of meetings where all kinds of things happened, like deliverance meetings. But in his days as a pastor, he noticed watching the lives of the people that their lives did not actually change for the better. And why was that? They never became doers of the Word of God. During the first great awakening, Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher of New England, he saw the same thing. He noticed in his observations as a pastor during the first great awakening that the people that seemed to have and to exhibit the most fleshly manifestations were later the very same people not living the Christian life. And why was that? They, they never became doers of the Word of God. And so there are believers, and God bless them, they're into experiences, they're into feelings, they're into goosebumps or manifestations, but they are not doers of God's Word. And so in their lives, they're doing what E.W. Kenyon describes, his books are in the cafe, they're living by the flesh, they're living by the senses, they're not doers of the Word of God. And in two Sundays, we'll see that we got to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And you can't say you're walking with the Holy Spirit if you're living and operating and being led by your flesh. So we'll get to that. And the problem with seeking an experience is if you go seeking experiences, Satan may give you one. He is the deceiver. And so when people head down those roads, the end result is their lives do not bear good fruit. They don't live blessed lives and their lives... And circumstances never change for the better. But friends, I believe you can have it all. We ended last Sunday with 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 21. All things are yours. No more talk about men. All things are yours. So I believe that you can be a doer of God's word. I believe that in doing that, you can live a blessed life. And I believe that in 2021, we can walk in the power of God. We can have it all. We can be doers of the word of God. We can live blessed lives. And we can walk in the power of God as it's meant to be walked in. The purpose of God's power is power to witness. And the purpose of signs and wonders and miracles is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So you turn to Acts 2 if you're not already there. Acts 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, and this was a festival day, and so there were many Jews, God-believing Jews, that were there in Jerusalem because of that festival, that season. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind the King James says, a rushing mighty wind. It came from heaven 
and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Verse 4, all of them. Say, say all. all. And there were men and women, about 120, all of them. Say, say all. all. So if, as I said last Sunday, if people would just read the Bible, it would fix a lot of wrong beliefs people have. You know, people that say, well, this was just for the 12, or this was just for the 12 plus Paul. If people would just read the Bible, that would fix all the wrong beliefs they were taught. All, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The King James says, or as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that word utterance means speech motivated by divine impulse. The word for tongues is glossa. It is divine, ecstatic utterance. It is miraculous. It is supernatural language of the Spirit and by the Spirit of God. Tongues is divine. It is supernatural. And when we, in our daily lives, when we pray in the Spirit or in tongues, as Paul says, we, we speak directly to God in a tongue unknown to us. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in the King James translation, the, the translators added the word unknown, but they, they did that to help us in our understanding in English, in the English language. When you pray in the Spirit or in tongues, it is unknown to you, but it may be known to others. We see that in Acts 2. You, if you study church history, the history of missions, there is one example after another in the history of the church and in the history of missions. Now, in our daily lives, most often when we speak in tongues, we're speaking, we're praying in heavenly languages. But it is also possible to speak in the tongues of men. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul wrote, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. When we pray in the Spirit or speak in tongues, as Paul said, we utter mysteries with our spirit. Our spirit prays. Years ago, back in the day, ABC Nightline did a news special about praying in tongues, speaking in tongues. And they, they interviewed a man that had spent many years studying it scientifically. And his scientific studies led him to the conclusion that when Christian people pray in the spirit and in tongues, the part of the brain that deals with language, it is not active. And when he puts people and scans them, they're praying in the spirit, all of the activity is right here. It is of the spirit. It is by the spirit of God. As Paul said, rightly, not having the ability to put someone in a scanner, our spirit prays. When we pray in the spirit or in tongues, we edify ourselves, we charge ourselves up spiritually, building up our spirit man, the real you on the inside of you. When we pray in the spirit, we pray as the Holy Spirit would have us pray for others, for ourselves and for others. We pray the perfect will of God. And in the majority of our lives, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the purpose, the, the purpose of tongues, you'll, you'll realize the greatest benefit from it in your daily prayer life. It is a gift that every believer ought to have. And it is important. But next Sunday, we'll see that there's something even more important. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and now I will show you the most excellent way. And he pointed out to them, you can have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can pray in tongues, you can have all of these gifts, but it will not do you any good if you don't walk in the more excellent way, which is the way of love. And that'll be next Sunday's message, the motive of love. So Acts 2 and verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them or gave them the utterance. So we see they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We see that they spoke in tongues. They did the speaking. 
The Holy Spirit did not cause them to speak or force them to speak or make them speak. They did the speaking. And we see that the Holy Spirit also gave them the utterance. He enabled them to pray in the Spirit. It was by the Spirit and of the Spirit. He gave them the utterance. Verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard, say heard. heard. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. So the Bible is clear. The disciples were filled with the Spirit and they spoke in tongues and glossa and the crowd heard them in their native languages. In the Greek it says dialectos. They heard them in their native languages. Utterly amazed, they asked, are, all, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us heard them in his own native language? Verse 11, we heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And so the goal, the goal, the purpose of the power of God is that people would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul wrote, to the church at Corinth, look, if you're getting together and having a good time and there's all these tongues, but there is no interpretation, an unbeliever will come in and say, you're out of your minds. And it is of no benefit or edification to those present. Now, I learned from my father that if we're going to believe all the word, we got to believe all the word. And that includes Acts 2 and 10 and 19, but it also includes 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. We got to believe it all and do it all. And see, there, there are some, some young men my age, and they want to ignore 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, but Paul himself says that if anyone ignores this or does not listen to it, to ignore them, to no longer have ears for what they, they say, because they're out of line with the Word of God. So they heard them. They heard them declaring. Declaring what? the wonders of God in our own tongues. So the disciples spoke in tongues and the crowd heard them in their own native languages, dialectos. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Again, it is a divine experience. And when people experience the power of God, they react to that. We'll get to that. Verse 14, Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And so Peter sought to address this. And what we have to keep in mind is when God's power comes upon people, they respond in different ways. Some cry or weep. Some have great joy. Some are unable to stand. That's what happened on the day that Solomon dedicated the temple. But it is always holy. It is always reverent. It is always of the Spirit, and it always leads men and women to Jesus Christ. And people will try and use verse 15 here to justify ungodly, fleshly, carnal behavior, but again, as we learned last Sunday, as we're learning today, if it does not point people to Jesus, if it doesn't lead them to a saving knowledge of Christ, it's not the Holy Spirit. If it's the Holy Spirit, it will bear good long-term fruit. The purpose of God's power is power to witness, and the purpose of signs and wonders and miracles is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We, we like signs and wonders. We want to see them. But the purpose is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Day by day in our daily lives, we're not to live by signs and wonders. Day by day, we're to live by faith. Day by day, we're to live by the Word of God. And that's the difference between those that go and just have a good time and five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years go, go by and their, their lives, their, their circumstances never change. But as I said, you can have it all. You can be a doer of the word and live a blessed life and you can walk in the power of God when you understand its biblical purpose. 
to lead men and women to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Verse 16, Peter said, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on how many? All people. And all means all. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. And we're not there yet, but we're, we're going to be there here at some point. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, how many? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, verse 22, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Verse 36, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That means to be convicted. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we see that it was not just for the 12. It was not just for the 120. Peter told the crowd, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, and mark this, star this, highlight this, underline this. You got to go to school a long time to mess this up. Verse 39, the promise is for you and your children. For all, say all, all. for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Well, praise God, he's called me. And praise God, he's called you. And praise God, he's called your children and your, your grandchildren. And as long as we're here before Christ comes for his church, we are to be saved. We are to be born of the Spirit, but we are not to live this life devoid of the power of God. We are to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and we are to have the power of God at work in our lives and through our lives that we might destroy the works of the devil. This promise is for you, for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40, with many other words, Peter warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Makes me wonder what he would say today. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So again, we see the purpose of the coming of the Holy Spirit and we see the purpose of God's power, which is power to witness. What was the end result of this demonstration of God's power. Verse 41, it says about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is a gift. It is a gift, and it is a promise that belongs to every believer. Peter said, this is for you. This is for your children. This is for all who are afar off. This is for all whom the Lord our God will call. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it can be received in prayer. It can also, we see in the book of Acts, it can be received by the laying on of hands. But just as you can be saved or healed by faith when you hear God's word, you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith when you hear God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now I realize you might be new and you might say, Austin, I have never heard anything like this. The seed is being planted today. No pressure. Amen. And maybe you've heard occasionally, but maybe you've seen some things that weren't right, and so you were 
hesitant? Well, maybe today it's not just a seed sown, but it is a rightly dividing from the Word of God. And it is a good watering in your life. I have known the Holy Spirit since I was a little boy. We are not just supposed to know God in a far away, out there sense. We are to know Him. We are to be filled with Him. We are to know God in us. We are to know God working through us. And my heart's desire would be that everyone know God that way. Every man, every woman, every little boy, every little girl, to know him, to know him in all of his fullness. You look over at Galatians chapter 3, Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, Galatians 3 and verse 2, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? And that's my message to you today. You, you can receive just by believing what you have heard. Then verse 5, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Simple, childlike faith, believing you receive. It is a gift, and when it's a gift given, all you have to do is receive. About 10 years after Pentecost, 10 years later, this is what happened in Acts chapter 10 when Peter preached to the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. Look at Acts 10 and verse 44. Don't have time to review the whole story. Don't have time to reveal how, or to deal with how God dealt with Peter about his own prejudices. But God did, and God sent him to Cornelius' house to present the gospel to a group of Gentiles. What were outsiders to the Jews. So he went there to present the gospel to Gentiles like you and like me. Acts 10 and verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came upon all who heard the message. The circumcised or Jewish believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. How did they know? Verse 46 gives us the answer. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So tongues, it is a divine gift from God. It is not strange. It is not weird. It is not meaningless. And even though it may be unknown to you, that does not mean it is unknown to God. And it doesn't mean that just because it's unknown to you, if God plucked you down somewhere else on planet Earth, it would be unknown to someone else. It is a divine gift. It is supernatural. It is a powerful prayer tool. Tongues can be heard. It is the audible sign that someone has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it is also a sign to unbelievers. And this is how, in simple, childlike faith, you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, if you're born again, know that you are qualified to receive this special gift. It is a benefit that belongs to you. It is a benefit that belongs to every believer. As Peter said, this is for you, this is for your children, this is for all who are afar off, for all who the Lord our God will call. So number one, know that if you are born again, you are qualified. Say, I am qualified. I am qualified. Say, I am qualified, I am qualified. To, receive this gift, to receive this gift, to receive this benefit. Number two, once you get past that, and you know it is yours, it belongs to you. It's got your name on it. Number two, yield to God. Don't resist his presence or his power. And again, I know we're all different, amen. 
Some of us are more open. Some of us are more curious. Some of us are more analytical. There was a, say, young man, but younger man a few years ago, and his challenge was just all that he had been taught in school. He had to get past this and realize that it's a work that God does here. So number one, know that it is a gift that belongs to you. Number two, you've got you to yield to God. Don't resist his presence. Don't resist the Holy Spirit or his power. And number three, ask and you will receive. So you ought to expect to receive. Ask and you will receive and you ought to expect to receive. So it's a gift given and so we ought to expect to receive. It is a gift given and so we ought to ask and expect to receive. Jesus said in Matthew 7, beginning in verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone. How many? Everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. In Luke 11, when Jesus dealt with prayer, he said that for us as human beings, if, if a child asks for one thing, we don't give a child something else. And then he compared it to asking our Heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit. So know that if you ask our Heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you something else. And Luke 11 and verse 13, Jesus said, If you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so we're just going to take a moment right here in the middle of the message. And I say in the middle because I got more ground to cover. Amen. Please bow your heads. Say this, say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I ask you for power to witness, to lead men and women to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to know you. I want to know you in your fullness. I want to have your power at work in my life and through my life. Now lift your hands and say, Heavenly Father, I believe this gift belongs to me. And I ask you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I ask for the gift of tongues. And I ask that the Holy Spirit would give me the utterance. In Jesus' name. Now we'll just take a moment, again, no pressure, but just lift your hands, open yourself up to the Lord, yield, surrender, don't, don't resist him. When we ask, we receive. And Jesus said, rivers of living water would burst forth from within. And so you'll, you'll sense, you'll know in your spirit that there are words that you, that you want to say that you don't recognize, you don't know, they're not normal words in English or Spanish, whatever it is, your native language, and there'll be a strong urge, a, a strong inspiration to speak those words, to let them come forth. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. And you go back to Acts, he didn't make anyone speak. They did the speaking. They spoke in tongues as he gave them the utterance. And so you, you've got to do the speaking. You've got to yield, you've got to surrender, you've got to let that come forth from within, from your spirit, and as you do, it'll become easier. He will give you the utterance. Let's take a moment, lift your hands, let's, let's pray. Those of you that have received, pray, pray in the spirit. We'll just take a moment. years ago there was a service where we laid hands on people there was a couple the wife no problemo the man a little hesitant but he told me later that week that he was in his car on the way to work <laughs> and he, he thought he was by himself in that car 
But then the Holy Spirit stepped into the car. And he powerfully received. Rivers of living water began bursting forth. And he had to, he had to pull the car over and just spend time praying, praying in the Spirit. And as I said, the purpose of tongues for most believers, the majority of time in our lives is in our prayer life. To pray as he would have us pray for ourselves, but also for others. To be yielded, willing vessels to pray for others. And again, as I said, no pressure. When Sophie and Michaela came to me and they were asking me about the Holy Spirit, Sophie, man, she just received like that. Michaela is more like her mother. She is very analytical, but that's okay. In your life, it could be the first time you've heard. It could be the planting of the seed. In your life, it could be a watering of the seed. In the cafe, there's a wonderful book by a man called They Speak With Other Tongues. And the story is that he was commissioned by Norman Vincent Peale to study the charismatic movement in the 70s and the 80s because of all that was going on in various parts of the country. He was, I believe, Episcopalian. So this was far outside of his normal range of uh, Christianity. Amen? And in that story, he rehearses all that they learned, all that they saw, all that they learned about this in the past, Azusa, his wife easily received, and he was having a challenge. But the thing that God kept dealing with him about was because of his denominational background, when he went to church, when he worshiped, he was one of those that refused to ever raise his hands. And so for him, rivers of living water burst forth the day when he finally decided, well, I'm going to try this raising of the hands, which means openness and surrender to God. And then received easily, no more trouble. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force himself upon anyone. You have to be open. You have to be desiring. You have to be hungry. You have to be seeking after him, seeking after the Lord. Ask and you will receive, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open. Now, in the time I have left, I want to show you examples of how, from the New Testament, the purpose of God's power is power to witness. In Acts 3, a man crippled from birth was healed. The result, just the number of men grew to about 5,000. Did God only use the 12? Acts 6, beginning in verse 2, the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and of wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number, even of priests, even of Jewish priests, became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. So it was not just the twelve or Paul who worked signs and wonders. In the Gospels, you had the 72. In Acts, there were the seven. And there were others, like Apollos, mightily used of God. Stephen was soon put to death. But Philip, he went down to Samaria. See, he was a Hellenistic Jew. He didn't have the hang-ups some of the others had. He went down to Samaria about eight years after Pentecost. Acts 8, verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city, to a city in Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw, say saw, the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And that means water baptism there. 
You read on in Acts chapter 8, you find out that in Samaria, they were born again, but they did not receive the Holy Spirit until Peter and John came. Again and again and again in the book of Acts, there are examples of believers who are born again. They know the Lord. They're born of the Spirit, but they have not yet received the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so maybe growing up, you were taught that, no, 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 those people, they're just crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. You need to open your Bible, and you need to read the book of Acts for yourself. Paul encountered the risen, resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. And he was blinded, literally, by the light. But he was a believer that day. And then after a period of time, Ananias came, laid hands on him, and Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. This is 30 years after Pentecost. Paul was on his way to Rome as a prisoner, but he was shipwrecked on the way. Verse 1, once safely on shore, we found out the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and he healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and they were cured. He was a prisoner on his way to Rome. They were shipwrecked, and yet they had revival on that island. The purpose of signs and wonders and miracles is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then finally, let's end with the commission that Jesus gave every believer. Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, they will accompany. Some translations say follow. These signs will follow those who believe. It doesn't just say that they'll follow those in full-time ministry. These signs will follow who? Those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. Now, that doesn't mean we do silly, stupid, ignorant things. Amen. We just saw that Paul was minding his own business, building a fire. But the works of Satan had no effect on him. And that's what Jesus was talking about. And when they place their hands on sick people, they will get well. After the Lord had spoken to him, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. The disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them. And he confirmed what? He confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. God confirms his word. And what does he confirm his word with? Signs following. See, we, we, the past year, because of pastor, because of his faith in God and his faith in the word of God, we, we've just had the courage to have church and to believe that the Lord is our healer and he is our protector. What does God confirm? He confirms the word. And it's the word you have the holy guts to take action on. The purpose of God's power is power to witness. And the purpose of signs and wonders and miracles is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Power is demonstrated in action. T.L. Osborne would often say to me, Austin, we don't pray the power down. We preach the power out. Power is demonstrated in action by doing the works of Jesus. In 2021, if you want to see God's power, be a witness. In 2021, if you want to be used of God, be a witness. 
In Acts 5, when the apostles had been arrested, an angel set them free and said in Acts 5.20, an angel said, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. So in this new year, if you want to see God's power, tell people about this new life. Tell them about Jesus, how he loves them, how he lived for them, how he died for them. If you want to see God's power, tell people that they can be saved, they can be set free, they can be healed, they can be delivered, they can be blessed. You minister to them. You love them. You pray for them. You lay your hands upon them. God will back you up. Why? Because he confirms his word. In 2021, if you want to see the power of God, tell people that they can know the living God, the living God, who is still doing the works he has always done. Tell everyone about this new life. When they ask, why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? Why are you so blessed? Tell them about this new life. The purpose is power to witness. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.